Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Hey mom, first things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, mom, Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. Welcome to our new series, Idea List of the Day, where we take the best list of 10 ideas on notepad.com, N-O-T-E-P-D.com. We go down the ideas and see if they're good or bad. So let's check out the first idea list, which is going to be top 10 business ideas that I had on my idea list of a few weeks ago. As many of you know, for the past 10 or 15 years, I've been writing about how when I was super down and out, super depressed, going broke, losing everything, losing my home, I randomly picked up a waiter's pad and every day I started writing 10 new ideas a day. And for the past 10, 15 years, people have been saying to me, why don't you make a website where you could keep track of your ideas and other people could keep track of their ideas. Again, if you know what I've written in several of my books, writing 10 ideas a day has helped me in so many ways, has created so many opportunities for me. It got me out of my depression that I was in back then when I was going broke. It's helped me build businesses. It's helped me write books, connect with everybody from the people at Google and Amazon to people who've become my good friends to podcast guests to everything. And it's just changed my life. And so we created this website, notepad, that's N-O-T-E-P-D.com, notepad.com. And now it exists and it's just beginning. So feel free to try it out. Go to notepad.com and try it out. And you could keep, you could look at all the idea lists of, and search idea lists of everybody who's on there. And once a day, we'll do this podcast where we have uh, Jay, Robin, Paulo, and me on the podcast, and we'll talk about whatever the idea list of the day is. And this is the first one. So I kind of insisted we pick an idea list that I did. And Jay thinks I'm super arrogant. I mean, but, it's the ego, you know? <laughs> but I just, I want, I want some, and, and Robin was saying, don't share your good ideas. So I want to uh, address that real quickly, which is that, I'm not going to be able, the whole thing about these idealists is to exercise the idea muscle and the creativity muscle so it doesn't atrophy and so that you get more and more creative. I can't implement 
all of my ideas and 99% of ideas we've had, it's all about exercise. And if someone is really super excited about one of these businesses, they should do it. Cause I'm probably not going to do any of them. I've done in the past 20 years of writing idealists, I've done three businesses. <laughs> so it's not like I've done 12,000 businesses because that's how many ideas. And I don't always write about business ideas. I have plenty of other lists, as you'll see on the site, you can have all sorts of idealists, but anyway, we're going to talk about 10 new business ideas. And I even date this one February 15th because I, I want to see how my thinking changes as I write more idealists that include businesses. First off, I just want to say again, the purpose is this is just to exercise the brain. It's not necessarily that these are like great business ideas. B, most of these ideas are probably bad. I don't judge them while I write them, but I just try to make them hard enough that it's legit because always, as you'll notice, as you write idealists, by idea number seven, your brain starts to sweat. And that's the challenge is to, just like Mike Tyson says, when he's doing push-ups, he only starts counting when it starts to hurt. So it's really at number seven, it starts to hurt. And seven, eight, nine, 10 are the, the hard ones. Point C, which we already talked about, feel free to steal ideas and give me no credit. Uh, if I decide to do these ideas, I better be better than you if you stole my idea or else I should lose. And D, if you do want to include me and make any of these ideas, let me know and maybe I can help. So you guys ready for no. idealists? Not uh, that one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's start the list. 10 news business idea. Can we start though at number two for No, no. We're going to start with the one that I'm sure <laughs> is a billion dollar idea. Whoever does this, and I have experience in this space. So I, in, in both aspects of this space. So this is like an example of ideas X. So Ticketmaster meets crypto <laughs> and it's the NFT version of Ticketmaster. So basically the basic idea is this. And I was talking with Mark Laurie on the podcast about doing this for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Cause he just bought that basketball team. But essentially the idea is this, if, if the New York Yankees sell me a ticket and let's say they sell me a ticket for a hundred dollars. Then I sell it to a scalper for $200. Then the scalper sells it to Jay for $500. The New York Yankees only makes that first hundred dollars. They don't make any money on the next two, three, 10 transactions of that same ticket. But with an NFT, they won't care about scalpers because they'll make a royalty. You know, that part of the idea for those who don't know what NFTs are or, or don't know all the details. One of the ideas of NFTs is that artists, or anybody who's selling an NFT makes money on every time that NFT is sold, not just once. Like if Vincent van Gogh's family or his estate made money every time one of his great paintings are sold, they would have millions of dollars. Instead, he died broke and his family is still broke probably because they don't make any money on, on it. But now if, if, if all tickets were NFTs, then every venue, every sports team, every musician, would make money, much more money on ticket sales. And, uh, uh, and also by the way, there would be no forgery of tickets and maybe the NFTs can provide future access to team memorabilia. So there's more incentives to buy and sell. And if, if the value of a team, like, let's say you're selling season tickets, if the value of a team goes up or if they're about to win, you know, maybe they started off as the last team in the league and then they're going to be, it looks like they're going to start to be in the world series. The value of those tickets, season tickets might go up. So the NFT value goes up and people are selling them and the team keep, makes more money. This would be a huge money maker for sports teams. Right. And, and I'm convinced 
whoever. Oh, sorry, Jay, go ahead. Yeah, because I mean, speaking about on the on the sports team, to be honest, I think the player can benefit from this too. So, like, the bet players can you know potentially partner with Ticketmaster. It's like, hey, yeah, you can sponsor my sports team, but if you put my face on top of that too. You give me a certain cut when you sell the NFTs, and they can trade the NF- NFTs because of the player. So people love to trade. You know how the the sport cards with yeah. players, yeah, uh, those yeah. are trading more. So like, you know, the player will get more money that, too. That's a great idea. So you can combine like baseball cards with yeah. the tickets. So you can yeah. put you can put a player's photo and stats on a ticket, so that could be traded almost like playing cards. And by the way, someone just sent me an email. Um, the, who keeps track of the playing card market? Um, Is that Gary No, no. But <laughs> I think I think he does keep track of that. Uh, no, he does. Yeah. No, there's a a really good uh, newsletter, the Alts A L T S, mm-hmm. and I'm just trying to see if I can find it. They should do the NFT tickets master for programmer as well. I feel like programmer is like the most underappreciated uh, worker out there that deserves some fame. You know, after we watch Silicon Valley, we know how. Oh yeah, how that's a good point. Famous. Yeah. By the way, that's a good point. Like NFTs could be a way to make a playing card business out of any industry that you're interested in. Yeah. But um, let me see. I'm just googling trading cards market, and uh, uh, there is a stock market for trading cards. It's called Star Stock, and like for instance, you could buy a piece of like a Mickey Mantle baseball card from the 1950s. For like a small amount, you could buy like a. a oh, what? Yeah, really. Um, but I want to see our. Uh, and also the uh, NBA, the NBA has some uh, equivalent of digital cards, right? I think it's called NBA yep. Top Shot or something, right? Which has become huge. Yeah. So there definitely. Oh, oh be... yeah, I didn't know about that. Top Shot, it's called. Yeah, yeah, I'll look it up. Uh, NBA. And what? Top and what can you do with I, that? I, you know, I actually don't know. Uh, I am not even sure if it's actually crypto or no. It may actually be even uh, kind of uh, on the uh, blockchain, but it's some uh, sort of uh, equivalent digitalization, let's say, of trading cards. So it looks like Price Waterhouse Coopers actually keeps track of an index from 1888 to 1999. Oh no, no, sorry, they keep track of an index from the beginning of trading cards to now. So since 2008, trading cards in, in for sports have gone up 1,276% since January 2008, and the S&P 500 has gone up 230%. So Price Waterhouse Coopers, I guess they keep track of the top 100 cards. So the f- number one is the 1952 Topps Mickey Mantle baseball card. Number 22 is 1952 Willie Mays. Here's... I don't even know who this guy is. Nineteen uh, number nineteen is nineteen eighty Ricky Henderson. I have no idea who that is. Uh, here's number sixteen is Jackie Robinson. Anyway, the index of baseball cards has gone up five times as much or more, almost six times as much as the S and P five hundred. So they're making an argument that. So Jay, to your point, to add to this idea, it's a great idea. I should write this down in the comment for the yeah, idea. Sure. Uh, and Robin, this is why we talk about ideas because again. None of us are going to make this idea, but maybe someone will. Now we've just added to the idea, and, and these ideas will increase our the value of our lives. By the way, and then someone asked me once, well, won't Ticketmaster just do this? How can you do it? Won't Ticketmaster do it? Ticketmaster has, is not in the business of building new technology. They're in the business of signing up new celebrities and new venues and stuff like that. Like I once, The reason why I say I had an experience with this is I once invested in a company called Ticketfly, and... 
they were trying to create a social media version of Ticketmaster. So a venue who uses Ticketfly could, could, had, could make tickets, but also those knowledge about those tickets would be spread all throughout social media. And then some company, I forget who actually, bought Ticketfly for like 400 million. Oh yeah, some uh, someone bought it, but uh, I I really can't I can't remember. But it was it was like a huge uh, company too. Yeah, I think Eventbrite. Eventbrite. Oh, Eventbrite. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So whoever builds the NFT Ticketmaster is going to make a billion dollars. I have no doubt. Yeah, it has to be in every industry. You know, programming, uh, baseball, or or NBA, or even colleges. You know, colleges can trade their own studio for the NFTs. You know? But wait, what would be the ticketing in colleges? Other than oh. for sports events, uh, prom, <laughs> prom. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of scalpers. Like, hey, man, do you have like an extra ticket to prom? <laughs> you do it oh, like well, on some side alley. That would be good for like universities for college basketball and well, I oh yeah, say that yeah. Because oh, yeah. there are scalpers for that. Like, look, what Rob? What were you telling me about Duke? Uh, yep. How do people get tickets at Duke right now? For the Duke, Duke basketball is like extremely popular. Well, oh. for the kids, like for our daughter Lily, she has to wait uh, in like uh, she has to camp for two weeks in line. What? <laughs> Why? To get a ticket, and because this is so popular, Coach K is it's his last year, and so oh. they're like super like is everyone wants to go to his coach. Yeah. Mm -hmm to all the games but um you can also buy them on Ticketmaster or whatever but you know they're going to be $3500 or you know and again a lot Duke of money. doesn't benefit from that at all and Duke doesn't probably doesn't sponsor that team at all right do they what do you mean sponsor they're not sponsored by like put some money to to the basketball team i'm sure they do but oh, yeah, they like do. 100% oh, yeah Duke, Duke really? basketball is bigger than Duke <laughs> yeah <laughs> like sure. the only sometimes the only reason some colleges exist is for their sports yeah. teams Right, <laughs> and, so. and I think usually the, the, the football coaches are the most uh, the highest paid people in the university, right? Holy shit! Yeah. Really? Except, oh except my God. Duke. Now wait, Paulo, in Europe, <laughs> when basketball. you say football, when you say football, are you talking about soccer, soccer. or football? No, well, well, uh, now I'm talking football as in American football. Uh, yeah. If I were talking about uh, you know Europe, it would be yeah, I'll be, I'll call. Football, football soccer, soccer. but uh, the thing is that uh, here there's no kind of sports in universities or at least uh, not at a level in the US right yeah they, it's, right. it's completely disassociated like uh, right. I know those people get oh a a football scholarship to get into a good university right. like in Europe Sculling. it's uh, yeah. it's unheard of. yeah so this is this is how I differentiate between UK and America right you know to get into good uh, university in America you just you have to be really good at sport. You have to good if you want to get into good colleges in UK. You just have to read Harry Potter. What, <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just have to like study books, you know? Oh yeah, I agree. Oh, yes. I, well, this this will <laughs> definitely so be funny. this will definitely be another idea list of the day, which is yeah, from and, Jay. <laughs> and and I challenge anybody to to write an idea list. Ten reasons education is a scam. So by Jay. <laughs> yes. But then again, I shouldn't say that. Paulo, congratulations, you just got your PhD in rocket science, right? Like, what was your rocket yeah, science? Yeah, it was exactly rocket science, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that was what, the name what, of what the area degree. of physics? Uh, well, technically, it was um, basically quantum physics. So we did uh, something wow. called uh, atomic and laser physics. Something right. simple yeah, like yeah. that, yeah. Do, do you read Harry Potter for it? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was my my dissertation was on the yeah. on Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, 
the 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 quantum intricacies of Harry Potter and how <laughs> it affects the plot. Yeah, actually, that does remind me of a joke. Like, there's a joke that um, everybody uh, pretends to love Stephen Hawking's book, A Brief History of Time, which is his most. You know, Stephen Hawking was the obviously the one of the most famous physicists ever. He wrote this best-selling book, A Brief History of Time, but it was a lot more complicated than people think to read that book. And so Stephen Hawk, so the joke is Stephen Hawking says to someone, I don't know why everybody loves A Brief History of Time. I mean, yes, the first chapter was had physics, but the rest was just Harry Potter fan fiction. <laughs> but no one notices because they only read the first chapter and then they claim that they love the book. So... Um, Anyway, what about second idea? Okay, next idea. And I, the more I look at this one, the more I realize it's not a good idea, but I'll say it anyway. Oh. Um, so this one's called Alpha Insurance. And get it, AI, Alpha Insurance. And so it's AI-based insurance. So what happens is uh, insurance companies, you, everybody would obviously like to pay lower insurance rates, and insurance companies would love to insure people who are lower risk. So what the insurance company does is very passively and privately reads your emails. Uh, and by privately means, you know, they don't share your emails or no one could look at the emails. It's just software that's reading your emails. And then it determines by your emails, if you are a higher risk or lower risk on whatever it is you're trying to insure. And now how would they determine oh. that? They would basically do a, a test first, or they would, they would run an experiment where they would take 10,000 people say, and read everybody's emails for a year. And then at the end of the year, determine, you know, divide the 10,000 people up into 5,000 who are high risk and 5,000 who are low risk, or in some way, maybe divide into 10 groups who are high risk and low risk. Then they would use AI to determine what characteristics in the email stood out for the high risk people and what characteristics in the email stood out for the low risk people. Like maybe, maybe it turned out the low risk people had more grammatical mistakes, or maybe the low risk people uh, sent more emails to their family or had the word love more often in their emails. And maybe the high risk people talk more about work or talk about business or, or obviously talk more about drugs and, you know, drug use. So, so now they could determine how to charge people on, you could potentially have lower insurance, ra uh, rates if you let the insurance company use AI to read your email for a while or to, or to scour your email for the past several years, categorize you into one of the buckets they determined was low risk. And now you pay lower insurance rates. See, I think this is really interesting, but I never buy insurance. So I don't know how is that going to be related to me, but the, 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 would, would people concern about uh, privacy though, if they have to read all the email, what if they have an affair with another mistress well well the emails does that give them more the emails are, are never seen by humans it's just seen by right, software right, right, right. and and they never collect the emails they never store the emails anywhere right right so so what if that's that's uh that's a category or you, you know like ai is all based on statistic right yeah so what if they figure out the the statistic of if you have a mistress you're probably on high risk because your mistress probably going to do or, or your wife yeah, going to do something. Yeah, fatal Somebody's <laughs> going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then may I wonder if like oh the wife if the wife also on this insurance like she will f figure this out. She's like oh maybe that's why maybe he has mistress or maybe he is having a fray or something like that. I wonder if people maybe I think that is a problem of this. Uh, let's assume the privacy issue can be handled, but I think that's one issue. 
Right. I mean, to me, the only the main problem I see is uh, it comes from a regulatory point of view. I know that in some places, and I think part of places the EU, there are some procedures where you cannot have a machine make a decision without uh, a human interaction. Right. Oh yeah, so, that's true in the U.S. too yeah. for like radiological tests. Like yeah, so, AI is better than radiologists for reading X-ray scans, but a human has to be involved. So okay, at the end of the day, the hu a human could see what the AI's recommendation is, but the human actually has to decide. So let's say that's solved somehow. Let's solve. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. With with uh, privacy still intact, like let's just assume privacy can stay intact. Well, then I mean, uh, this is uh, somewhat of a um, just a slightly more advanced version of current uh, insurance, right? Because it's all based on statistics already. And you just right. have a model that is based uh, instead of, uh, you know, your age and stuff like that into uh, like taking information from a bunch of uh, text, right? So right. there's right. it basically seems like uh, quite a reasonable application. I feel uh, it would need to be like thoroughly tested because you need to show that there's actually some correlation between the you know the, let's say the emails and actually the 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 outcome of the uh, you know right. the payoff right. that the insurance company would have to give assuming there's the, some that uh, seems reasonable yeah the statistics uh, would have it's... to be really bulletproof yeah i wonder if it's 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 likely already done right i know that there are some uh, insurance companies that give out sort of like um like apple watches and stuff like that so they can monitor your um you know your activity and stuff like that. You know that's that's the same thing, right? Depending if you're more yeah. active, you're less likely to get a heart attack or whatever, despite the what happens on TV shows. So, and so, so, so on that one, that's based on current science. Like we know, if you have a certain level of activity, you're less likely to be a medical risk than someone who just sits around all day, like me. Yeah. Right. But but <laughs> this would be this would have to require new and novel data, meaning. Like the you, you know, no one's ever like examined thousands of of people's email accounts before to to determine the effect of email on you know the words you use in email on on metagross. or you could even do this in a in a uh, with just social media like you analyze someone wants to sign up for the social media AI insurance and it analyzes all your tweets and and Facebook posts and other social media and determines if you're uh, uh, a higher risk or lower risk. Yeah. See, I, I have a, I have a, see, I, 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 okay. I mean, AI is great. And also don't really know how insurance uh, requirement goes, but I don't know if uh, Robin will agree with me on this. Like AI is all about numbers, right? But sometimes uh, when humans look at the insurance, sometimes we have emotions. We're like, okay, maybe this person is really like dull, like at, you know, the all time low, maybe we'll give them, like a leeway or, or maybe give them more money. So if it's all AI based, maybe that would be, you know, like that would be discarded and it's all just about numbers. But to Paolo's point, it already is all about numbers. Like it's, all, yeah, I don't think that's how insurance numbers. works. Yeah. If oh, I so get that, a car that, and uh, I tell them, oh, I'm very sad. Can you give me a lower price? Like, you like know, Jay, if you're, uh, nobody's like Jay, like, let's just use, <laughs> let's just use common sense. Like if you're 70 years old right. and you want to get life insurance, is it going to be more expensive or less expensive than someone who's 20 years old? Right. It's going to be more expensive, right? Right. Because we know from statistics that someone who's 70 on average doesn't live as long as someone who's 20. But when they're claiming that the insurance, like, because based on the money you get back, right? And then if AI is calculating the money, then it's just a set amount of money. But if human were involved, it's like, okay. No, no, no. Know, humans I, are never, oh, you're really humans are never involved. I mean, yes. If 
if someone dies and then their family goes to claim the life insurance, there's an investigator who says, well, is the person really dead? How did they die? Were they negligent right, in some right, way? Right, they caused, right. you know, did they, did it fit the terms of the contract? But other than that, there's no human involvement. Right. So that, that pretty much just says how much I buy into insurance. <laughs> but if you have a family, you'll get insurance. I have, uh, yeah, in, in Malaysia, not here. So <laughs> so for me, I think that this overall concept would make sense, but it uh, it would be a good way to get one more data point for the company to base the decision on, you know, because they already have, uh, you know, X amount of information. This is going to be the X plus one, right? Because uh, I also think it would be not simple, but possible to sort of reverse engineer it, right? If I know that the insurance company is gonna check my email, then I'm gonna say every single day, oh, I walked uh, five miles, I only had apples, I never eat sweets, I'm uh, yeah. the best person in the world, right? You can even generate some code that writes that automatically, goes into all of the emails, mess the system up, right? So. Yeah. A, an insurance company could not uh, let people, you know, uh, take advantage of them. So mm -hmm. I feel it, uh, the, this whole kind of um, the text analysis part would need to be just, you know, one more parameter that can be used. I think this is hey, the problem. <laughs> like, for instance, I would, you know, create another email account to send all my, hey, mistress, let's do some heroin tonight. <laughs> I would send all my emails in another account and not use the one that is linked to insurance. Yep. That's yeah. good that yeah. you're exposing that. That's not that good. <laughs> now Robin knows to put a key logger on, yeah. on, keep track of all my emails. By the way, a guy who I used to be pretty good friends with, I just saw in the newspaper today, he got, he got convicted. He's guilty of, uh, putting a keystroke logger on his wife's computer, his ex-wife's computer, to spy on her. And so he got like um, a couple years of probation and 100 hours of community service. And Is it Kanye West? No, not Kanye West. <laughs> that's horrible, though. Well, yeah, but I, yeah, do, I, I do agree with, with Paulo. That's the, what, that's the big problem with this. You'd have to figure out how to solve that or maybe just use social media where people are not maybe there's a, a way to do it with social but media rather that, than email. Right? Yeah, even but that, yeah. Uh, especially if someone could cheat it in the same way, right? If I know social media is going to be uh, checked, uh, right? And then there's also the the other part, uh, there's some information about the emails I send, but then the email that people send me or the interactions in social media that people have with me. So you could think of a having some sort of cyber attack where I know I can uh, uh, negatively affect your insurance policy by sending you some sort of emails. Right. Uh, I don't right. Know. That's okay. kind of like, that's kind of like the thing that John, you know, since John is in cybersecurity, our son, about um, where they send people to your house. Uh, swatting. Swatting. Swatting, yeah. I oh, have yeah. never heard of such a thing. That's so scary. So that's kind of like swatting really by like email or something yeah, yeah. like Some, that. Uh, swatting, it's a very famous thing. It's a common thing in gamer, gamer industry. So I haven't been SWAT before, so hopefully uh, we'll we'll talk about it some other time. Cybersecurity, yeah. but um, okay. Here here's an idea. So two two ideas to this. One is okay. Instead of emails or social media, it's just uh, something something on your phone that's listening to all of your conversations like all day long, and you can't turn it off. And like you have to have it on for like a month or two before it makes a decision. 
Alzheimer's. Right. So that's like Alexa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's like, <laughs> Alexa like tie in Alexa to insurance companies. And then another potential solution is, oh, how's this? You keep track of my phone and all the phones that are most commonly near me. So for instance, Robin's phone is commonly near me or, or my friend's phone are commonly near me. And then based on their insurance histories, you could determine my insurance risk. I don't think that's yep, a good idea. I mean, that, that, that could be one idea. Because those are two idea. separate I mean, people. Yeah, but if I'm married to someone who's like a total drug addict, then I'm probably a slightly higher risk than someone who's right. not married to someone well, who's a total true. drug addict. Yeah. Or if yeah. all my then, friends yeah. are drug addicts, and the, or yeah. if all my friends have car accidents every day, then I might be more likely to have a car accident. Yep. Yep. Yeah, or the, if you're a comp... If your companion or your partner is a sociopath or whatever, you might, you know, your insurance might go up too. Yeah. But that happens anyway with car insurance, you know, with kids. So mm. if like, let's say our son gets in an accident, our, all of our insurance will go up. But what about child. all of his friends? No. So this, I'm, I'm including just everybody who I'm mm, around. That, that to me, I don't know. That's sort of like, I don't know. I mean, I think it should not be a deciding factor, but it should be part of it, right? Like, um, like you're the average of the five people you spend most of your time with, right? So, in some ways, isn't that like social proving or social? What do they call that now? Yeah, it's kind of like a social proof. If the if the five people I spend most of my time with get into car accidents a lot, I'm probably more likely to either be in an accident or myself get into car accidents. And part of the technology is being implemented already with all the COVID tracking. Both Apple oh, and yeah. Apple oh, yeah. did it in yeah. such yeah. a way where all the interactions are supposedly anonymous. But yeah, yeah, right. That's totally uh, right. By the way, yeah, they're complete like COVID tracking. What's it called again? Um, uh, contact tracing. Contact tracing. The software for that does keep track of what phones you're around, and it, it notifies yeah. you if you were around someone who had COVID. Supposedly, COVID, yeah. is the ideal of this technology. I've never but seen it in action. It never work. Well, yeah, I don't think it. In they also use um, the, it uh, was like used your in the credit UK. report. You know. Like to determine if you're risk, high risk. If you have good credit, they figure, okay, here's a responsible person. Right. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think the, the other problem kind of insurance-wise with this uh, kind of uh, highly uh, mathematical, uh, well, or statistic models is that my understanding currently is that insurances are not meant to make decisions based on, uh, let's say, gender or uh, ethnicity, mm-hmm. Right. But that's actually, you know, if you do statistics, it's likely going to be a factor, right? So I think that could be also a problem that would uh, go against it. Let's say Mm -hmm. you could actually see that there's an extremely high correlation with the uh, results of the AI and the gender of the person, right? Then would that uh, that mean it's, uh, it get, you know, you'd get your insurance canceled, right? Right. Goddamn. AI is racist and sexist. It's true though, because they say that women live longer than men. I mean, there's a lot of statistics that show different gender, you know. I think on gender though, they do look at the difference between men and women for insurance. I don't know if, I'm pretty sure that's legal, but I don't know for sure, I guess. Well, they have to, you know. I mean, it's legal. It's. I mean, they're not going to give men like, you know, maternity, you know, OBGYN insurance. Right. Right? Because they're not going to have a baby. Yeah. Well, but I have to. I have to do a predictions right here. I think in a few, in next five years or ten years, Amazon's we're gonna launch their own insurance based on AI and then it's based on Alexa. 
they, they will listen well, to the podcast maybe, and then they are like, this is a good idea. And then but that's what I'm like, saying. Maybe we implement the so- someone should implement the software that yeah. like Amazon again, they buy, they buy a company a week. So they don't build most of the things they do, they buy. So yeah. you start a company like this, they'll buy it even if you don't have any customers if it if it works. Yeah. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I I lived in over a hundred or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period. And I loved it. I love, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests and having my own Airbnb or or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away and I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three-story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen, while you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty, who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial, when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100-plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still to this day get messages every day. James Aldercher, would you like to apply to be VP of entertainment at NBC or whatever. So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. 
Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I'm definitely going to use him for now. Not that you need it. You're you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You're getting there. You You might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the HIMSS app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at HIMSS.com slash James. Could you imagine that? There's a whole section just with my name on it. HIMSS.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs HIMSS. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. HIMSS.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See HIMSS.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. All right, I'm going to go on to the next business idea. Here's an idea. So this is a big problem. College students graduate with an enormous amount of debt. And college tuition has gone up faster than inflation for 50 years in a row. Like, not just on average, just every single year, tuitions go up more than inflation. And so that's why the current kids going to college could have hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. Like, if you're not, like, at an in-state public college and you go to like just some random college out of your state that's a private university, you could have about $200,000 or more in debt by the time you graduate, which is very different from Europe. Like how much, how much student loan debt do you have? I have uh, none. And I think most people <laughs> Case have in none. Point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very different, especially, I mean, I can speak for uh, Italy where I did my undergrad, right? university, like going to college is, uh, you know, th- my fees that I paid were like maybe two, $3,000 a year. Oh my gosh. USD right? I think or, that should uh, be right. Huh. I think that a, sta- and, a country should yeah. pay for their, their, you know, re- their people. And, right. Yeah. And so, basically all universities are the same. You know, any university you'd go to in Italy, it's two, 3,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same with Malaysia too. Same with so, England. So, so here's the thing in, in these cases, the government just pays directly, essentially the cost of the university, but in the U S the government lends 18 year olds who don't, who can't make proper decisions. They lend 18 year olds money and 
the 18 year olds have to pay back the government or the banks, the money that was, that they borrowed. And you can't even declare bankruptcy to get rid of this debt. That's the one debt that holds over even IRS that you could get rid of in a bankruptcy, but student loan debt. I think that's terrible. Cannot. So that's the problem, but here's a solution. So this, this idea is a solution. I want to be able to IPO myself. So I want to be able to say, let's say well, I'm 22 years old. I'm going to put all of my income in a box. Like I'm going to make a corporation that gets all of my income each year. And I want to sell off to the public 10% of my future income for the next 10 years. So let's say on average, you think I'm going to make on average, I'm going to make, let's say $50,000 a year for the 10 years after I graduate college, like maybe the first year, 30,000 then 40, then 50, then 60 and so on. I'm going to, I'm going to make, so I'm going to make in 10 years, half a million dollars, 10% of that is $50,000. And so you figure out what kind of return you want over 10 years. So maybe 10% of my future income for the next 10 years is worth $20,000 now. So anybody who invests $20,000 now over 10 years, they make $50,000. And that's like a reasonable, you know, that's something like, um, I don't know, 15% a year, something like that. But what is that student loan getting? Well, then you could decide to use that money however you, so you raise that $20,000 and you could decide to use that money however you want. I'm just IPOing myself to raise money. And, and you can use, you can implement this with crypto, obviously. So I could say, okay, I'm going to issue a million tokens and each token represents one, one millionth of 10% of the next 10 years of my income. And then people can trade on these DeFi exchanges. People could trade. They're doing their research. They see, oh, James just went, joined a really great law firm. Maybe the value of my tokens go up. And so people trade. It's like an, a new investment category. So right. I could bet on, or I can invest in, not, uh, you know, yes, investing is betting, but I can invest in people all across uh, different industries and different genders and different this and that. And then I can keep track of my portfolio of people and see who's moving up, who's moving down. And maybe I could buy and sell these tokens accordingly on a DeFi exchange. Right. And so it solves several problems. One, it gives investors a new investment category that might be unrelated to the stock market. So people are always looking for that. And it allows students who may be bogged down in debt to raise money early on. Like let's right. say someone graduates, uh, you know, Harvard business school, their future in 10 years income might be $5 million. And so, you know, they can command, uh, you know, they could raise m much more money than other people. So, you know, everybody who has a different chance to, to raise some money and, or maybe someone can right. say, I'm going to give 30% of my next 10 years of income. So people could make their own deals. Right. So this is a good idea, but I always think that, you know, like a good idea will always create more, like it's good to have more problem after you create a good idea. You know, like two things that I can think of that might arise from this. Uh, in terms of problem is one, it might increase the uh, what is it called the, the income gap or or whatever the wealth gap. And so what happened is, let's say let's say James out of chair blah, blah blah, and then your dad is Tom Hanks. Obviously, your coins gonna go like go like get trade even more, so you would get more money off that. You know yes. what I mean? Yeah. So so you're saying like the child of Tom Hanks will get more money for selling 10% um, of his next 10 years of future. Yeah, but the, he's not the person who's going to sell the his future income, right? That defies a purpose, yes. right? Yeah, people who are going to uh, kind of, uh, you know, sell off their future income is people who are actually going to need the money right now, right? There's no reason for someone who can pay off their money in full 
or has a lot of uh, kind of income or estate from their parents, you know, to get this, uh, this loan? Because all we're thinking about is a loan, right? But that wouldn't stop people from getting more money, right? Because what's harm yeah, for but having that's, more money? Uh, I, that's that's you know? not, I think that's just how well, the world is, right? Uh, in, it's that's just how things are, you know? Just, yeah, yeah and, 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 and sorry to interrupt, Robin, one second. Jay, in, in response also, it still gives lower income people the opportunity to raise more money yeah. than they otherwise would have. Yeah, it's probably yeah, the opposite. There, there I think it like... benefits more people with lower income, right? Who have uh, like uh, right. low low current opportunity, but kind of high uh, future promise, right? Because people are going to investing in the raw skills and uh, future of the person, regardless of their current state. Like, like right. for instance, you know, like Kanye West. We we just watched that, you know, his documentary and think about it someone that is that talented when you when you know of somebody like that and you think wow i'm gonna bet on him because people right. did uh back right. then and he had nothing then and he, like, had he had nothing zero. Right. and nobody was signing him to a record label they didn't because he was because he was more like uh his family was more middle class or suburban and, right. and so they, he wasn't like a gangster so they didn't trust that his he would get followers with rap so people right. that are like, let's say on YouTube that, you know, have some talent, they're, they're new <clears throat> and you see that they do have talent, they're aggressive, they're, you know, uh, they're just on target. You think, wow, this, this is a person that's going to do well. I would right. bet on them. That's what right. I think this would be great for. I mean, it'd be great for college too, but it's also great for people that don't want to go to college that maybe have yeah. talent that you see, you know. I'm not saying that this, but I'm just saying that white people will see because like, okay, so the talent, that, that was a great point. But if you think about it, like how many talented people, but only one or two arise, but how many rich, but already have connections people, they, 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 they wouldn't rise up as much as yeah, all the other. Yeah, but not necessarily. They don't have the drive. Right? They, they're not hungry enough. Typically, right. when they come right. from they families like that, you need a, right. people that that succeed typically uh, have triggered that sort of hunger to right. succeed. When you when you typically see kids with you know from wealthy families, they just don't have that hunger. Nothing was triggered for them to to do right. it because they don't need to. Also, if you're an investor, I'm really looking for, you know, I don't care if some of these investments don't work out as well. I'm looking for the person who is buy low, sell high. Like, right. like maybe when Kanye West was 19 years old, buying 10% of his future income, maybe people valued that real cheap. Like, oh, he's only going to make X for the next 10 years. And then he ends up making like 300 million and I get a part of 10% of that. It's like buying a Bitcoin in 10 years ago. Right, so right. like you want to kind of do the research and find out and build a portfolio of people who you think will right. exceed expectations. So really the key is not what income level they are from, but whether they're going to exceed expectations based right. on how they're valuing their future income potential right now or how the market right. is valuing their future income potential right now. Right. So the other thing is what happened if the guy just die? Well, you, you, everything works out. You, you, it didn't work out. Or, or you could also... Well, like, so what happened to the money? Oh, it's it's it, it, you stop getting you stop getting money. You know that's uh, uh, that's why you're getting a high interest risk. rate, right? Just because there's that's risk. Right. Yeah. If there was no risk, you wouldn't get a high interest. I think the only problem I right. see here is that, especially if this were to be done uh, on the blockchain or some with some sort of uh, NFT or tokenized thing, you know, uh, you can 
give the money in the first place, but you need a blockchain way to track the amount of money the person is going to make. Right? If I'm a uh, if I'm a regular employee at uh, a, you know Procter and Gamble, they're not going to give me my salary on on a blockchain in Ethereum. Right? Mm-hmm. So there would need to be a another step, or other some person who yeah. gets the money in escrow, and then will do that. Right? There needs to be a third party because you cannot trust the person to do it themselves. That's right. Because I could right. pretend, oh, my salary is, uh, you know, two hundred k, but I'm actually making three hundred. I'm that's not right. giving back as much. Right. So that's the kind of infrastructure part. There'd have to be some sort of validation part, and some assume, like assume. So this is a problem in it, but assume that can all be created somehow. And yes, blockchain yep. is definitely the way you'd have to implement this, and you'd want to implement that anyway on a on like a blockchain like Ethereum, so it could trade. So once the person quote unquote IPOs, the tokens can trade on a DeFi exchange so I can buy from someone else. If I do my research and Jay doesn't think, you know, the future Kanye West is going to make any money, but I do because <laughs> I've listened to some of his albums, I can buy on a DeFi exchange, whatever tokens are available and Jay might be selling them to me. And it's just like an investor's market. So yeah, it would have to be done on blockchain. And this puts another an idea uh, where maybe companies start paying their employees on blockchain because it's it it helps with you know uh, the IRS it helps the IRS understand what they've you know paid in I mean that's that's kind of a, a another business idea is actually yeah. having well, so, some people are getting like like our our good friend Eric Adams mayor of New York City is taking his salary in crypto. But Bitcoin. I mean, just everything, like a company putting it on their own blockchains. Well, on top of that too, like, you know, the other thing they can do, like, you know, after IPO, you can like, hey, I'm 21 now, I'm going to airdrop some NFTs. You know, and then the NFTs could be have values too. It could be what their job's going to be, or it could be, this is my new car, and then just trade cars all Maybe day Maybe everyone long. just has their own, their own crypto, you know, currency, or they have their own, I guess, whatever you call it, what an NFT or whatever. So everything goes into that, whatever they buy, whatever they're given, whatever they're. I'm just assuming that can all be figured out. Like the core idea is kind of this so-called securitization of my future income. And yeah, I think blockchain is a way to. That's the chip that you're going to be put inside of you. Yeah, (laughs) that could be. So, so look, that's three ideas. I think if anybody wants to see the, the seven other business ideas that I made on that particular day, you can go to notepad.com, N-O-T-E-P-D.com and check out everybody's idea list, but you could search for Altature and NFTs and you could probably find where Altature and businesses, you could probably find that idea list. That's it. And let us know if you like this episode, check out notepad.com, N-O-T-E-P-D.com, subscribe to this podcast and we're going to try to do these as much as possible because there's so many interesting idealists on Notepad. We can't keep track of them all, but this is a way for us to to share them and, and talk about them. So thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.